Let us pray. O God of grace, you hear our cry for mercy through your Son and the gift of baptism. We now are called beloved child of God with whom you are well pleased. Grant us eyes to see what you see in us, that you loved us so much. You gave your Son. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. There's a small group of women that are working through a little book called Becoming the Woman God Wants Us to Be. It's written by an author, Donna Parteau, and what we're discovering as we do these daily readings and listen to her uh, little teaching once a week is that she has broken down the Christian life to be very distinct and that it's about renewing our mind and making little steps, little changes daily. It's all about changing our habits and changing our mindset. Because who God says we are is the truth, and we have to actively work to affirm that. So I invite you to just ponder this one affirmation from the scripture to imagine what it would be like if you began every day with this mantra. I am a beloved child of God with whom God is well pleased. I am a beloved child of God with whom God is well pleased. I wonder how might you be changed, transformed, and healed if you were to say that daily and even begin to believe it about yourself. Some of you already do, I can see. But then imagine if you took it even further and as you ran into someone through the day that you affirm each person that you encounter saying silently or aloud, you are beloved child of God with whom he is well pleased. Yes, you are, Peggy. It's a benefit of sitting up front. I'm just saying, there are benefits. <laughs> In today's gospel reading, we see a picture of how grace and mercy slips up on us and transforms us, shapes us into God's own body. But often we're not able to see ourselves as he sees us yet. And even when we do get a new life, it takes time to know and accept who we've been made into. It's a process of letting go of old habits and ways of thinking. In our gospel story, we hear of ten lepers who are covered in shame and rejection and the worst of being excluded. 
You see, leprosy in that day and age, there was no cure known to man as there is today. There is medicine for it now. And so these men had, could be men and women, we don't know. They're just ten lepers, and they come to Jesus, who's on his way to Jerusalem to finish the work he's come to do. And he's about a quarter of the way. He's come from Galilee, and he's close to Samaria. And here are these lepers. And um, leprosy, if you've ever seen anyone with growths all over their face, imagine warts all over someone's face. Hideous, hideous disease. Imagine your life being changed because of something that begins to grow on you, to where people shun you. They look at you with disgust, treat you as though you're not even human. This is the plight of this group of ten, and they are hungry to be restored to community, to life. You could say that they are in a living hell, excluded from community, scratching their way to make an existence, rejected from anyone's human touch. And they call out, they call out to him, Master, have mercy on us. I imagine they keep their distance because they're covered in shame. And they are so risking everything once again to call out, Have mercy on us, Master. Heal us. And he simply says, Go to the priest and be made whole, be made clean. Now you see, Jesus is a Jew, and the whole reason for going to a priest is they are the gatekeepers of the day that let people back into society to say, yes, you have been healed, to affirm you are no longer covered in this disease that could ruin a whole village. And so he simply says, take the step of faith, go to the priest. He doesn't touch them. He doesn't do anything in particular. And they turn and they go. And on the way, on the way, one of them sees he's been healed. And he turns immediately. He gets it. He recognizes, I am the beloved of God in whom he's well pleased. I'm healed. Ah! And he turns and he goes praising God loudly and throws himself at God's feet, at Christ's feet. Now, Jesus has not gone to the cross yet. He's on his way. But Luke, in his brilliant way of writing, is foreshadowing what is coming for the whole world. And this one being healed, who gets it, comes back and worships him as the rightful king he is, as the one who has the power to heal 
as God himself. And to prostrate himself, have you ever experienced God's mercy in such a way that you are so relieved all you can do is fall down at his feet? That you're so humbled and in awe that he would give you notice? That he would want to even visit you? That he would want to use you? That was my experience as I went through the process and became ready to be ordained. I thought, really? You want to use this, God? From where I come from and all I've done that's not right? What in the world? And the only real response I could possibly give was to prostrate myself before him and just say, take me, take me and use me, please. I love you with all that I have, and you have made me well, and you have healed me. I think of these other nine and wonder, what have they missed of how God has healed them by not going back and giving thanks what have they lost in not seeing the fullness of the mercy that was given them? There's something in the going back that this one does and acknowledging the healing and giving thanks that breaks him wide open to be then a ready vessel for God to say go, for Christ to say go now, go to the world. Because you see, what it postmarks or gives a foreshadowing of is that Christ came for all the world. That this was a Samaritan, hated by the Jews, their enemies. And so Luke is using as a bit of an elbow to these Jews in the audience to say, they get it. Do you get it? This Messiah, Christ the King. Do you get it? Do you get this amazing grace gift you've been given that changes everything? That you are now brought up into the loving arms of God and you are now part of a community that was once only for God's people. That we now belong to God the Father in whom he is well pleased. That is good news that we are caught up in that love, and that we now, broken vessels as we are, he wants to use to take to the rest of the world. That's what he's doing in this story with this one leper, is he's showing us that everyone, everyone's included. Some would say that we encountering God's healing embrace and grace must see ourselves and others differently. I think it requires us to move from a scarcity to an abundance way of thinking, from fear to faith. It can take time to recognize and 
to accept ourselves as actually a healed person, as beloved of God. We don't know how long these lepers lived as outsiders. Jesus healed them of leprosy, but there were these habits of defensiveness, of fears and loneliness that they very well still perceive themselves as deformed and off-putting. Some assume these nine lepers felt no gratitude, that they went about their merry way without acknowledging Jesus' mercy. But it may be that those nine lepers were not a bunch of ingrates, but that they also had grown so accustomed to feeling repulsive, to being shamed by the community and shunned, that they continued viewing themselves as lepers even after they had been healed, that they couldn't even see their own smooth skin once it was made healthy. The risen Jesus gives us new life. In baptism, we are weaved into his very own body. And the bread and the wine and the Holy Eucharist gradually deepens our perception of his beautiful divine life. And Jesus is continually changing us, giving us new life that we're just not always able to see ourselves as he does just yet. We see the same pattern with Jesus in his own life after emerging from the tomb. The reason Jesus walked the earth for 40 days, according to Ronald Rothhauser, even Jesus had to get used to being a new creation. Grace sneaks up on us. It does its work on us before we even realize it sometimes. Our self-perception and our perception of other people lags behind the reality that Jesus is bringing about, that he brought about on Calvary, that he brings about every day. And some of us will keep on berating ourselves as jerks long after we've been forgiven. And even when our old wounds are nearly healed, we might struggle with kicking the habit of resentments. Some of us have been treated as outsiders so long, we have trouble recognizing ourselves as the beloved of God. But I would say over time, through the power of the sacrament and the love of this beloved community, and as we serve the poor and the marginalized, that we will begin to recognize and accept ourselves as the body of Christ, the beloved in whom he is well pleased. And I would like to think that in their own time, each of those nine lepers caught up with Jesus somewhere or another, and they began to see themselves as he does, and that that is when the real miracle happened for them. It's when the real miracle happens for us, when we no longer see ourselves through the lens of our old wounds and prejudices and fears, 
and we begin to see others, especially strangers and foreigners, as Jesus does. Beloved, children of God, in whom he is well pleased. I challenge you, in the month ahead, to say that to yourself. Say that to others. Surely it is good news. Amen. Close,